Hi, this is Adam, pastor of Faith Methodist Church. We're so glad to have you listening to our podcast. The sermon this morning is a question. If Jesus is the answer, what is the question? Enjoy. The Word of Christ from the Gospel of John. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came to, as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through Him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through Him, yet the world did not know Him. He came to His own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who are born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness of him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. From his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. I invite you to turn with me to John's first New Testament epistle. We're going to begin at uh, the very beginning of chapter 1, in verse 1, and then we'll read through verse 2 of chapter 2. The Word of God from John's first New Testament epistle. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the Word of life. The life was manifest, and we have seen it and testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. This is the message we have heard from Him and proclaim to you, that God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with Him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only but also for the sins of the whole world. 
Lord Jesus, we pray that You would bless the reading of Your Word. We thank You for it. We thank You for being with us here this morning. And we pray that You would help us. Speak to us, we pray. Holy Spirit, would You move among us. Would You speak into our hearts. Would You call us to respond with our lives. Oh Father, we love You. And we thank You that You love us so much that You gave Your very best, Your very own Son for our sakes so that we might have life through Him. And we pray all this in His name. Amen. I was hoping that Rick would be here. I forgot that he and Cheryl were going to be on a road trip this weekend. Um, he was picking on me the other day about me not liking Christian bump, bumper stickers, and I got another one to pick on today. You might have seen the uh, the bumper sticker that simply says, Jesus is the answer. I'm not the first to ask this, but what's always come to my mind when I see that bumper sticker, Jesus is the answer, I don't, I don't respond cynically, but the question that always comes to my mind is, okay, well, what is the question? Because that's pretty important. If the question is, a woman was murdered, who done it? Obviously, Jesus is not the answer to that question. I like that, who done it? If the question is, a child was stricken with cancer, who did this? Jesus is not the answer. And so if we're going to, as the church, proclaim that Jesus is the answer, we have to be clear about what is the question. What is the question that we are asking to which Jesus is the answer? Because yes, indeed, Jesus is the answer. But He's the answer not to every question that we have about the world and what's wrong with it, but He is the answer for what or who can fix what's wrong with the world. In our text this morning, John says that He, or they, as He puts it once, is or are writing to for two reasons. They're writing this epistle for two particular purposes he discloses to us in the reading this morning. And the first is so that our or their joy may be complete. He discloses that to us in verse 4 of chapter 1. I am writing these things to you so that our joy may be complete. But then in verse 1 of chapter 2, he says also, I am writing these things secondly so that we, his audience, may not sin. Let's start with the second reason that he gives for writing. Jesus came to take care of the problem of sin. That is why He came. To deal with sin. To deal with the greatest problem to ever plague humanity. To, great, to deal with the, the greatest problem that's ever been known in the history of the world. The problem of sin. To insist, I have no sin problem, is to damn yourself, according to John. It's to live in denial, to live a lie, to live in the denial of the soul's sickness, that there's something fundamentally wrong with our nature. There's no healing in that denial. 
There's only sure and certain death. John Wesley put it, know your disease, know your cure. Without acknowledging that we have a disease, we can't avail ourselves of the cure. Without recognizing that there's something fundamentally wrong with the world, we can never find the one who is able to make it right. And so John says, if you say, I have no sin, I have no need for Christ. I have no need for someone to fix what's broken. I've got no need for a doctor. It is to curse yourself. Jesus said, I came not for the well, but for the sick. I came not for the righteous, but for the unrighteous. I came for those who are hungry, those who are thirsty. I came for those who are weak, for those who recognize their brokenness. I came for those. Because those that live in the denial, those that live blinded lives, that there's nothing wrong here. There's nothing, there's no problem to be fixed. There's no sin to be forgiven. There's no sin to be cleansed. Those who live that way will never embrace Him until their minds and their hearts are changed. Why is the church a hospital for sinners? Because this is where we meet Jesus so that we might be healed of our soul's sickness. Those of us who refuse to live in denial recognize that as good and beautiful as this world may be, there is something plainly and obviously wrong with the world. In fact, despite the fact that we are fearfully and wonderfully made, as the psalmist said, there's something plainly and obviously wrong with the human condition. We are diseased. And we see it all around us in our culture. We are suffering from soul sickness. The sin problem is dramatically evident in death, in darkness, and in isolation, John tells us. But Jesus came to fix what's broken. As our propitiation, as John puts it, our perfect sacrifice, our advocate with the Father, the righteous one, Jesus Christ, He takes care of our death, of our darkness, and of our isolation. And He offers us life. He offers us light. And He offers us, interestingly, fellowship. Fellowship. He came personally, John tells us, tangibly. I love how John begins this epistle. That which was from the beginning, it it echoes his gospel's first line. That which was from the beginning. And then he immediately stumbles into these phrases. These phrases of personal experience, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we've looked upon, we've touched with our hands. This word of life. That life was manifest. He was revealed to us. He was made known to us. Our eyes have seen life incarnate. Our ears have heard the Word spoken throughout all of eternity. We've touched Him. We have touched the living God. 
The one who made all things. The one who told the sun where to park it. The one who sent the moon spinning and the earth and all the planets spinning. The one who hung the stars. We've seen Him. We've heard His voice. We have touched His flesh. He came personally. He came tangibly to undo what's wrong with the world He created. He came to be our teacher. Not satisfied with us living in darkness. He came to be our healer. Not satisfied with the doom of death. He came to be our friend. Recognizing that our great need to be conquered is isolation and separation, estrangement from God. And because of that isolation, because of that separation that we all experience from God, we find ourselves also isolated and estranged, separated from one another. And so Christ comes. The Word of life is made manifest to offer to us full redemption. Eternal life is in Jesus. John would have us believe that to know Christ is to know eternal life. To have Jesus is to have eternal life. He came to take care of the problem of sin. John says that he's writing also so that our joy may be complete. That's an interesting way to put it. So that our joy may be complete. That it might be fulfilled. That it might be perfected. That it might be entire and whole. That joy for which we were created might be fulfilled in us. And notice how he speaks of that joy being fulfilled, being complete through mutual fellowship. Mutual fellowship with one another and mutual fellowship with the Father and His Son. Now, growing up in Mississippi, I always knew what fellowship meant. Fellowship meant food. Sunday night after service, we're going to have a fellowship. That always meant bring a covered dish because everyone else is. There's going to be fried chicken. There's probably going to be eight different kinds of breads, rolls, maybe four different rolls, two or three different cornbreads. There's going to be sides aplenty. Fellowship meant food back in Mississippi. But when John is talking about fellowship here, he's not talking about just a time that's set aside for us to get together. This is not just some regularly occurring event. This is not some one-off event that's been planned that's going to be a special time together. This is not something that begins at a moment, that begins with a blessing and then ends at a moment when the last person's left with their emptied dish that has been uncovered and then recovered. That's not what John means by fellowship. What he means by fellowship is life that is shared together. He means partnership. He means living in community with one another. Sharing life together. 
And He calls us to fellowship not just with God the Father and with His Son Jesus Christ, but in the life of the Holy Spirit, He calls us to fellowship together as the church with one another. And John says that it's in that fellowship that joy is complete. You know, it's hard to have joy by yourself. It's possible maybe to have fun by yourself. It's possible to be a bit happy by yourself. But joy is something that, that, that fills up and spills over. Joy is something that you share with others. It's like the nature of joy is to, is to be shared with someone else. Friday, early afternoon, we got the call from David that Dr. Nyhoff had collapsed and passed away. And um, immediately, a lot, of, a lot of things came to my mind. One of the things that came to my mind that, that hurt so bad was the fact that I'm not going to receive another phone call from him. Lindsay can tell you, he had gotten into the habit over this last year or two of calling me. I mean, it, it had to have been at least least every other week, um, sometimes a couple of times in the week, call to see how life's going, how's Lindsay, how are the kids, how are the people of faith. Let me tell you what, what's happening here at WBS. He would call me and tell me, Adam, I was just handed a check for X amount for the seminary. Praise the Lord. And I would shout, Lindsay told me several months into his calling to tell me what good was happening. He would tell me, I just left lunch and we just got a pledge for X amount for this purpose for the school and I wanted to tell you about it. And I know he shared that type of news with probably thousands of people. He sent emails, text messages, group texts, group emails, phone calls and whatnot. And Lindsay said, I said, I don't know why he's calling me. To, to tell me this news all the time. I love hearing it. I get excited about it. And Lindsay said, you know why he calls you, right? And I said, why is that? And she said, because you probably get about as excited about it as he does. And I said, yeah, maybe. I don't know. And she said, you're, you're pretty over the top with your excitement. Um, and it wasn't two weeks later, Dr. Nyhoff called me to tell me the news of another pledge that had come through. And he immediately said, Adam, do you know why I call you to tell you this? And I said, why is that, Dr. Nyhoff? I bet I can guess. He said, because you like hearing this news about as much as I do. And I said, Dr. Nyhoff, I love hearing good news. And he said, you get excited and that gets me more excited. There's something about joy it's not just contagious, but it naturally spills out. It, it, joy draws us together in fellowship and in fellowship, in shared life. Even when life stinks, even when life is, is, is hard, even when life is, is disappointing, there is joy to be had if we can live life with others. If we can live life in fellowship with people who care about us and love us and get excited about the things that excite us and get upset about the things that upset us, there's joy in that, 
even in the darkest of times. There's power, according to John, in a witness, in telling what Christ has done, in telling who He is, in pointing to Jesus. There's power. The Gospel is always a three-way conversation. No man comes to Jesus alone. It just doesn't happen. It's never happened. It's impossible to find Jesus all by your lonesome. He made us differently than that. He made us for Himself and He made us for one another. He made us to know Him only in relationship. To know Jesus is not just a cerebral thing. It's not a thing of the mind. It's not informational. It is personal. It is relational to know Jesus. He made us to know Him relationally and He made us to know Him only in relationships with other people. We read the Gospel reading this morning from John's prologue in chapter 1 of his Gospel. But if you continue on in chapter 1, you begin to find John the Baptist on the scene and him pointing his disciples to Jesus. He points two of his disciples specifically. Go follow him. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He directs the attention. He witnesses to the person of Jesus. And two of his disciples leave his side to follow Jesus. You continue on the reading. You find Andrew was one of those guys. And Andrew goes and finds his brother Peter. You've got to meet this man. He's the Messiah. You then find a guy named Philip who's been found by Jesus. Going to find his friend, Nathaniel. I think we might have found him. This man, Jesus from Nazareth, he might be the Messiah. Scriptures place a huge emphasis upon personal witness. Because it's only through our witness that others will know the life giving name of Jesus. We think everybody knows Him. We think everybody's already given Jesus a shot. And those that don't go to church, they're just not into it. But no one will come to know Christ apart from your witness. There's an importance also in this this life of fellowship in gathering together in small groups. Because it's in small groups that we share life together. It's in small groups that we worship together, we grow together, we gain hopefully more information about Christ, but it's in that context of small groups that are meeting together that we inquire about each other's life. How is it with your soul? How can I be praying for you? What's going on? John says, joy can be complete as we live in fellowship with the Father, the Son, and with one another as the body. Think of it, the living and eternal Word. 
the one who was with the Father, the one who is eternal God, the one who created all things. That living and eternal Word becomes the incarnate Word. He makes Himself small and limited. He does not become every man. He does not become humanity. He does not become human nature. He becomes a man. Like us, He becomes one of us so that He might redeem us. He makes Himself tangible to us. He's made Himself tangible to you. That's why we're here this morning. We're here to do tangible things, to interact with the God who's made Himself tangible. We gather together to sing and to lift up prayers. We gather together to read the Word. We gather together to hear from God. We gather together to see lights. We gather together to hear the voices of others telling us that Christ has indeed come. Christ has indeed died. He has been raised and He will come again. That Christ is able to make all things new. Why did He come? Why did He become incarnate? To undo the damage of sin. To heal our disease. To fix our brokenness. He came to give life to those doomed to death. He came to give light to those living in darkness. He came to extend the hand of fellowship to those alone in self-afflicted isolation. Today, don't delay and don't deny your need for Him. Don't reject His offer because He offers Himself. He offers Himself nothing more, nothing less. Don't reject His offer. As I reminded the small group that gathered for worship on Ash Wednesday in our home, if you miss Jesus, you miss everything. We're on the way to the cross. And Lent is all about Jesus. It is all about what He has done to redeem us. Don't miss Him. Perhaps the only thing worse than having the right answer to the wrong question is having the wrong answer to the right question. The right question to ask is who is able to put life back together? Who is able to fix this broken world? Who is able to offer hope to those who are living in hopeless, hopelessness? Who, who can give light in the midst of darkness? Who can, can conquer our bitterness and our brokenness with love? And the right answer is only Jesus. He can put the world back together. He can put your world back together. Don't miss Him. Father, we pray that You would help us as we respond in worship, as we respond with a song, to respond not just with the the voice of our lips, not just with words that 
We've sung a thousand times that roll off of our tongues, but Lord, help us to respond with the fullness of our hearts. Help us to give every bit of who we are to you. We thank you for sending your son. We pray that you would help us to trust him completely with our lives. Lord, help us to gaze upon the cross and to see our great need and to humble ourselves before your son Jesus and to give him everything so that we might be healed. Lord, bind us to Jesus. Bind us to yourself. Bind us to one another. Through your Holy Spirit we pray. Amen. Father Almighty, giver of all that is good, of all that is true, of all that is beautiful, your love for us is wonderful. It is total. It is incomprehensible. You know us completely. You know everything about us. You know our weaknesses. You know our brokenness. You know our tendency toward waywardness. You made us in your very own image and after your very own likeness. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. You've been so good to us. Our hearts are filled with thankfulness because of how merciful you've been how You've provided for us, how You've watched over us. Thank You for being so faithful to us. Lord, we want to know You more fully and we want to love You more completely. As we gather as Your people this morning and worship You in the name of Jesus, thank You for being with us, for ministering to us by Your Holy Spirit. Thank You, Jesus, for giving Your precious life for us and leading us into the way of life. Holy Spirit, have Your way in our lives. Consume us with the holy love of the triune God. Father, Son, and Spirit, You are holy. You are faithful. You are good. And we love You. Lord, You know every need that we have. You know every concern that weighs upon us this morning and we bring them all to You. We lay them at Your feet. Lord, we lift up Rick and Cheryl to You and pray that You'll watch over them as they travel this weekend. Keep them safe on the roads. and Bring them home safely. Lord, we lift up our missionaries around the world. Lord, we pray that You would be with them, that You would watch over them, that You would meet every need that they have, provide for them. Lord, help them as they remain faithful to their calling to take the good news to people around the world. Lord, You know all of our people who are sick this morning. We pray that You would be with them, that You would help them to heal up quickly, to get well completely. Lord, we pray for the hedge pets as they get back into town and settle back in. We pray that You would be with them and watch over them. Help them to know we miss them and love them. Lord, we lift up Miss Margie to you and thank you so much for the opportunity to minister to her for so many years. 
We pray that your blessings on her, that you would strengthen her, that you would encourage her heart. And Lord, continue to help us as a church to be a blessing to her and so many others through Meals on Wheels. Lord, as we're a part of the Association of Independent Methodists and you've put upon the leaders of that association to plant a church in Athens, Alabama, we pray that you would continue to raise up those that you're calling. We pray that you would provide the resources financially and prayer-wise and in all other means that are necessary. We pray that you would raise up all that's needed to see that church plant come to fruition. Continue to burden our hearts to see others know Jesus. Continue to burden our hearts to see other communities being reached for Him through this association. Lord, this morning, our hearts hurt for Miss Beth. We pray for Miss Beth Nyhoff that You would touch her, that You would comfort her, that You would give her strength and peace. Lord, we pray for their kids and grandkids. We pray for Dr. John's mom and dad, that You would comfort the hearts of these that are hurting so badly. Lord, be with the people of Wesley Biblical Seminary and give them peace. Give them direction. Lord, we know that right now their, their, their minds are spinning. We pray that You would help them. That You would comfort. Lord, we love You. And we thank You that we are able to come to You, the One who has the Word of life. The One who is Himself, Jesus, the Word of life. Almighty God, Your blessed Son was led by the Spirit to be tempted by Satan. Please come quickly to help us as we are assaulted by many temptations. And as You know the weakness of each of us, please let each of us find You mighty to save. Through Jesus Christ, Your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with You and the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. We pray. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you His peace. May we go in the blessing of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Please check out our website at faithmethodistchurch.org.